apologize. I've been struggling with that mic. I'm sorry, brother. That's, that's me, man. Um, if you've been with us, we've been walking through um, the first book of the Bible, Genesis. The word Genesis indicates beginnings. And today we're going to come to chapter 2. We're going to deal with the first three verses and talk about Sabbath and rest. And the reality is, I think this is a subject that is not lost upon any of our lives. Like we are all people who desire rest, that we struggle, that we're restless. Uh, we're in this rat race of like trying to catch happiness and joy. It's like trying to catch lightning in a bottle. And um, we, we just, all of us struggle with feeling like we have any time that we can rest. We can ever take a day off or a minute off just to sit down. And, and the reality is we, we've all had those thoughts where if I just get this, then that's what's going to deliver the rest I need. Like once I get that job, then, then I'll, have, I'll, I'll be able to rest. Or, or once we get through this season, then we'll be able to rest. Or once I get married, then I'll be able to rest. Or once I make it to retirement, that's when I'll rest. But the reality is, I think so many of us know that once we come to those seasons, what we find is we're just as busy as we were. The rest that we thought would bring us those moments, it doesn't. It reminds me of a story I heard recently of an interview with LeBron James. LeBron was entering his 19th season in the NBA and they were talking to him about championships and and they were asking him, what, what motivates you at this point in your career? And he says this, just motivated enough to have the opportunity to win a championship. That's why I play the game. He goes on to say, it's one of the greatest but shortest feelings that you have. You win a championship and everything you put into that year hits you all at once. A couple of hours later, it's over. That whole time you figure out, how can I get that moment again? Seriously, that's part of my motivation always trying to get that feeling. I think LeBron points out something very significant for us, that one of the greatest achievements in sports, the NBA championship, right? He says it's a great feeling, but did you notice he said it lasts about three hours and then it's gone. I think LeBron says to us that if you think this, whatever that achievement you're chasing is will bring you rest, you're believing a lie. It'll bring it there for a temporary, for a moment. But the reality is, listen, these lives that we live are frantic and they're busy and they're fast-paced. We are overcommitted people that we feel like, man, we have said so many yeses, right, that we don't even know like where we're supposed to even be. And times we end up missing because there's so many things demanded of us. It's exhausting. We have this pressure to prove ourselves and, and how worthy we are and how important we are about all these things that we just keep doing and doing and doing. As it's been said, we are busy externally because we are restless internally. We're busy externally because we are restless internally. The reality is our view of rest reveals our response to God's grace. And today I want to set before you this big idea that resting is the result of being right with God through Jesus Christ. Resting is the result of being right with God through Jesus Christ. Now we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 2 this morning as we walk through the first three verses, but the reality is as we understand rest, it unveils itself throughout all the scriptures, right? And, and so we're going to spend time today in Genesis chapter 2, but other Old Testament passages, and then we're going to land in Hebrews chapter 4, hearing about where this rest leads. So we might ask the question, well, what is the purpose of the Sabbath? The seventh day for the Jewish people was Saturday, and why should they or why should we rest? 
And so we start out with this first truth, that resting is our response to what God has done. Resting is our response to what God has done. Pick up, if you would, beginning of Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So the first six days, God has spent, right, working, creating all these things that we've been studying and walking through. And now comes the seventh day and something happens different. God doesn't work, but instead he rests. He rests. Now, I think we might consider that for a moment, right, and, and kind of rest with it. Mark alluded to it just earlier. The fact that it says that God rested, right, is it, in some way interesting. Because, why? Wow, we know that God, as we studied in Genesis chapter 1 there, who this God is of creation. He's this omnipotent being, omni being all, and potent being power. He's this all-powerful being. So why is he resting? It's not like God needs a siesta. It's not like God's like, whoo, that absolutely wore me out. Can I sit in the chair for a minute? That's not at all what's happening. So what is, what's God doing? He's giving us a pattern to our lives. A pattern or a rhythm to our days of work and rest. God is modeling what he created you for. Now remember, God is the one in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 who gets his hands dirty. He gets down in the dirt and he creates the man. He forms him out of the dirt. So we have God modeling for us that we are to be people who are, who are workers, right? That's what we are created. Genesis chapter 1 says that, that God created us in his own image, right? To have dominion over the earth and to work the land. And that's why Adam and Eve are there in the garden. But we also see that God not only created us for work, he also created us to rest. This is God setting it before us. And now again, the seventh day is, is Saturday and that creates a lot of questions that I'm going to try to maybe answer a little more specifically at the end. But folks are wrestling with, well, does that mean that we should still honor the Sabbath? How does that work, right? The Sabbath was their Saturday, and so is that to be the day that we rest? Well, I think what we find in the New Testament, again, I don't want to play out all my hand, but uh, the truth of, of passages like 1 Corinthians 16 or Acts 20 is that the church was meeting on the Lord's Day, which was Sunday, the day in which we commemorate Christ being what from the dead? Being resurrected. Right? We're resurrection people. This morning, the reason why you are in this, this building on a Sunday morning is a declaration that our God has defeated death and the grave. That's why you're here. You're saying you desperately have an enemy. Death is squaring you, squaring the eyes. Your sin is against you, separating you from a holy God, and you realize there's no other rescue. That's the declaration that we make this morning. We are coming as weak and broken and sinful people crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. We are calling out to a God because, wow, we can't find rest in and of ourselves. So again, we see this first way that we are called to rest is because we are called to image God. That's what he's setting before us here in, in Genesis chapter 2. But there's another reason that the Old Testament reveals why we are to rest. It takes place in Exodus chapter 31, verse 13. He says, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that are so that you may know that I, the Lord, do what? I sanctify you. So notice what he says here. This, this keeping of the Sabbaths is a sign between us and God, between God's people, the Israelite people, right? And God, this was part of it. Why? It's so that, so that, right, the reason is God wants them to know that he is the one that sanctifies them. 
Resting was a sign of being sanctified, being set apart. Now, historians tell us that no other ancient people rested. They didn't do it. Why? Because, again, remember the society in which they live, the culture in which they live. There's no fast food. There's no fridges. Right? I mean, it, guess what? It, if you sit there and waste a day, like, well, guess what? Those crops won't plant themselves. They won't harvest themselves. I mean, these, these people, listen, again, they, they depend upon daily necessities to be able to even survive. And if you've been in third world countries, you see that that's still the reality today. They still walk miles, many places to get water, to bring it back so their families can eat or drink or bathe. Right, the food is, is is that very day of going to the market again. That there's no way to keep things fresh in their homes, and so day by day they're depending upon it. So, do you see what that means? To rest for God's people to rest means they're going to miss out. It appears foolish, but God says that their resting is a sign. It's a sign that they are sanctified. It's a sign to say that they are different than all the other nations. It's a sign saying that there is a God who is their provider. It's this moment of importance of why these people were to rest. A third reminder of why they were to rest, well, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, they're resting as a, as a reminder to their own souls of what God did to them in the Exodus. Look what it says, beginning in verse 13 of Deuteronomy chapter 5. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day, again, so talking about Saturday, it's a Sabbath, a day of rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. All right, that's really clear. And he gives some other details about that in verse 14, but jump forward now to verse 15. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. So again, now he's calling to saying, listen, this resting is also about remembering something, about your slavery in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. So he's saying, listen, part of keeping the Sabbath is a reminder of what God did to you, did for you in the Exodus. Well, what did God do for them in the Exodus? He did everything. It's supposed to trigger in their minds, in our minds, in our hearts. If God provided for your greatest need, do you not feel like you can trust him for your day-to-day needs? I mean, that's Paul's argument in Romans 8, isn't it? He says, if God's done the greatest thing for you, if he has given his very son for you, how will he not also with his son graciously give us everything else as well? Paul's argument is from the greater to the less. That's the same argument that God's making here about the Exodus. He's saying, if God provided your greatest need, you could never have freed yourself. And I did it all for you in my love and my greatness and my glory If I did that for you, how can you not trust and believe that I'll provide for you one day a week? So it's a sign, yes, of being set apart. It was an imaging of who God is in creation. But but thirdly, this part of resting on the Sabbath was a remembrance of who our God is. It was a one day a week stoppage to say to their own souls and to their children and to all the people, we are not God. We're not God. And the reality is, beloved, you and I are not God. And you can run wide open day, light, to day, right? Day, night, day, morning. I can't say it all, but you know what I mean. It's a reminder, guys, these people were stopping saying we are not ultimate. God is. We're weak. I'm a weak preacher. I don't always get it right. My words get tongue-tied. Whatever. That's why I'm dependent upon the power of the Spirit to do the work. You're in trouble if you're depending upon me. 
But man, the power of the Holy Spirit who I'm trusting will move and empower and speak to you as this word of God comes forth. That's who I'm trusting in. He is my confidence. As Paul says, our message and our preaching are not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your and my faith may not rest on the wisdom of a preacher, but on the power of God. That's our hope and desire. Fourth, guess what? The law itself commanded that they would rest. Exodus chapter 20 is the giving of the Ten Commandments. And verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Verse 11, for in six days. So again, why, why is this? Why are they resting? Well, look what he does. Four, he says here, because. Here's the reason. In six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And what did God do on the seventh? He rested. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Saying, listen, guys, you're resting. It's, it's commanded by God absolutely there for the people of Israel. But it's also a reminder to them of returning back to the beginning. They say, this is how God created us. Yes, to be people of work. But he also created us to rest and trust in him. It's a reminder, right again, that we image God by what? We, we image Him by obeying Him and following Him. We image God by resting. The North African theologian Augustine, who lived in the late 300 A.D., said this, You have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in You. You have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in You. Restless. That define you. Are you restless? These passages were intended to point the Israelite people and the other nations and even us to the reminder that God didn't create us to remain restless by trying to seek our identity through all of our work and whatever carrot we're chasing. Guys, this rest wasn't about just like a rule to keep. The rest represented their relationship. Do you see it? The resting wasn't just like, oh, we got to do this this other day. This is so inconvenient. We get so far behind on that day. No, that day was a day to pause, to remember the preciousness of the relationship that they were in, the God who had made them, the God who had delivered them, the God who had provided for them, the God who was sufficient. They were resting as a reminder to their own souls. Oh, how He loves me. Our resting is a moment to reflect and worship God. So I want to ask you today, what keeps you from resting? What are the things that have gotten in the way or taking time to rest and just declare to your own soul and others that you are not God? Guys, it's a good thing that we're not God. We can rest in Him. Some of you are just absolutely exhausted because you're carrying so many burdens. Beloved, I want to say to you the words of Matthew 11 that Mark read, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest is in Jesus, guys. It's in Him alone. But we need to ask, well, what keeps us from resting? And I think this truth comes about. We fail to rest because we fail to believe God. That's the, the reminder. Is Again, this rest, yes, it's one day a week, but what we start to understand as the Scriptures unfold, and maybe you're already starting to get a glimmer of it, is the reality this rest really represents their souls, their condition of their hearts. This physical rest is actually saying something about the internal rest. Their external resting from their work really says something about their faith and understanding of God. And that's what Hebrews 4 begins to make really clear. Pick up the wood, Hebrews chapter 4. Let's read verses 2 to 9. 
For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not unified by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he, sa- as he has said, I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. So the author is going back to the creation. Look what he says here. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his work. He's quoting back in Genesis chapter 2. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter. And those who formerly received the good news fail to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then listen to this statement. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, the writer speaks of their faith. He's telling them, guys, listen, our, our faith is our opportunity to join God in his rest. Coming along God on the seventh day was their moment to say that their identity was not in what they could do, but in what God had already done. But what was keeping the people from this rest? Look what he says again, back in verse 6. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because... Why did they fail to to enter, church? Disobedience. Right? They were failing to believe. And that's, that's what's really behind this. It's never just about taking a day off. It's about imaging God. Resting revealed their faith. Resting revealed their identity. And Hebrews says it reveals ours too. Hebrews is saying that, guess what? Your resting or lack of resting is really revealing about your identity in Christ, your true faith and trust in God, just like it did for the people back in the Old Testament, whether it was in Moses' time and going to the Promised Land or when Joshua was leading them or later with David. There's all this conversation continually about rest, rest, rest. But it says that the people didn't enter it because of their disobedience. What's underneath our disobedience? Well, passages like Hebrews 3 and 19 make it really clear where it just simply says these words. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Unbelief. Why won't they rest? Why can't we rest? Hebrews 3 and 19 says it's ultimately behind our disobedience of just stopping and resting is unbelief. It wasn't that they didn't have the message about resting in God, right? I mean, it's all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. Jesus says, or at Matthew quotes him saying he invites us to come and rest. It's not that we don't know that we should rest. It's not that we don't realize we're created to rest. It wasn't a lack of information was their problem. It wasn't they had heard the word clearly. The problem was they heard the word, but they weren't doing what it says. Is that you? You hear this word, it's, it's clear God's created you and I to rest. But we aren't doing what it says. Look what the writer said again back here in the opening part of this chapter, verse 2. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why, why is that? Why does it not benefit them? Look what he says. Because they were not united by faith with those who listen. We struggle to rest in Christ because we believe that we have something to do to earn our salvation. That's the struggle they have. That the people are rejecting Jesus. Why? Because when he comes on the scene, because they think that how you get to God is by all these religious works. And the way you keep God on your good side is, is you hold to his law really, really close. And so they made all these rules around the Sabbath that this day that was supposed to be a day of rest had become this most exhausting and busiest day of the week. 
It had all of these rules to keep them from not even getting close to breaking the Sabbath. All these man-made laws. And it was exhausting. It's into that that Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. We see we've been conditioned to be hashtag team no sleep. That's the culture in which we live. That's like the badge that so many often the culture wants to champion us wearing. So the truth is it's not only non-believers that struggle with resting. We as believers struggle with it as well. And the writer of Hebrews says to non-believers and believers alike, the answer isn't do more, but rest more. It isn't do more, it's rest more. Tim Keller shares the illustration of Rocky One, right? The Italian stallion. And, and if you remember Rocky One, he's set to go out and he, he's going to fight Apollo Creed. Now, nobody's ever gone the distance with Apollo. And, and so we see Rocky, man, he's running constantly, man. He's pat, 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 tatting up on that, uh, on that, that, that meat, frozen meat. He's, he's just those frozen slabs, bam, bam, bam. But listen to his answer right before the fight. He answers this. Why has he had this desire? Because all I want to do is go the distance. Nobody's ever gone the distance with Creed. And if I can go that distance, you see, and that bell rings and I'm still standing, I'm going to know for the first time in my life, see, that I weren't just another bum from the neighborhood. That's chronic restlessness. Is that we always feel like, man, I got to do one more thing to prove that I'm not a bum. To prove that my life actually matters. Like if I get to this there, or I finally reach that level, or I finally get here, then I'll be able to prove, I'll show everybody wrong. Man, that's exhausting. And it will never lead to a place of rest. How can you rest? When you're trying to prove yourself constantly. We always need to affirm ourselves like I'm the best parent, or I've been this good child, or I've won this, or I've worked really hard at this, or I've built this empire. We always feel like we have to prove ourselves. To say our life matters, to say that we're so valuable. But guys, this is endless. It'll never be sufficient. No amount of titles or land or achievement or being a better person will ever bring us true worth. You see, the Bible says that you can either look to yourself for salvation and justification and you'll never rest. Or you can turn and look to Jesus and you can rest in him. That's the only two options. You can try to earn it on your own, the Bible says, by all your work and all your labors, and you will never, ever rest. Or you can just lay all of that down and say, Jesus, I look and trust in you alone. That's the good news of the gospel. The question is, well, how do we enter into that rest? Well, that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews tells us as we come to our third point. We rest because you're right. You rest because you've become right with God through Jesus Christ, right? That resting is a result of being right with God. That, that's this truth that resonates from verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 4. He says, so then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Do you hear that? This Sabbath rest still, it still remains. It's not yet passed for God's people. This is good news, right? That God hasn't shut the door on us despite all of our failures and all the times in which we haven't gotten it right. It remains. The door stays open to you. You don't have to continue to live this rat race that everybody else is in to find your justification in all of your works. It's still a moment of hope, an offer of forgiveness. And just in case we think that's too good to be true, like God would never welcome me back, and after all of my years and all the things that I've done, guess what? This text just keeps saying it. Verse 1, verse 6, now verse 9, there remains, there remains there remains. He's saying, guys, it's still there. In verse 8, he says, it's today. 
Unless you think like, well, oh, I, you know what? I got to go get some things in order and then I'll come back next week. No, the Bible says, the Hebrews verse 8 says, it's today. Verse 9 says, there's, a, there's another day. God has appointed this day. He's brought you to this point to hear this text. Not simply say, you know what? Once I get things figured out a little bit better, Blake, I'm in agreement with what the Bible says. That's what I need to be doing. Jesus says, now, today, come and rest. Come and rest for your souls. Five times in ten verses, the invitation is offered to all of us to come and rest. I want to know, will you receive it? And one of my favorite songs by Big Daddy Weave, the song Redeemed, he writes this. Seems like all I can see was the struggle. Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past. Bound up in shackles of all my failures. Wondering how long is this going to last Then you look at this prisoner and say to him, son, stop fighting the fight that's already been won. I am redeemed, Big Daddy Weave begins to sing. He set me free. Did you hear it? Stop fighting the fight. Why? It's already been won. He won the victory for you. You see, Christianity, the world spells everything D-O, do, 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 do. Christianity spells it D-O-N-E. It's done in Christ. Big Daddy Weave is saying to us all, come and rest. Stop fighting the fight. It's already been won. You'll never win it on your own. The answer again isn't fight harder. The answer is stop fighting and rest. Why? He says, because there remains, there, verse 9, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Again, I hope by this point in the sermon that you're realizing, man, this is more than just about a rest on a certain day of the week. It points us beyond simply just taking off a day of the week, the rest. It points us to a greater rest. A rest that God himself provides. Why? Because look what it says back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. And on the seventh day, this is where we began this morning, God finished his work that he had done and the rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Did you hear what God did? God finished the work. That's why we're invited to rest, because God finished it. He's the one that brought the fulfillment to it. And the good news is, guess what? Verse 10 says, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. How do you get rest? Look what he says there. For whoever has entered God's rest. It's God's rest. It's not our rest. God invites us into his rest. Not by doing more, but by surrendering, by laying down our lives. By submitting our lives in repentance and faith to Christ. It's this good news. Why? Because it's not simply that God's work is finished there at at creation. Yes. But guys, there's even a greater place in which we find true fulfillment, true being finished. It's there the Son of God at the cross is dying in our place, showing us that all of our never-ending works are futile. They'll never, ever satisfy. They'll never achieve for us what is most important, forgiveness and eternal peace with God. Your working will never, ever achieve that. You can spend the rest of your days doing it. And you'll never, ever find it in of yourself. But the Bible says to us that there is a place in which it is finished. It's in John chapter 19, verse 30, when Jesus was on the cross and he cries out, it is finished. And he bows his head and he gives up his spirit. See, we're like the people of God. We're invited to rest and join God's finished work at creation. But guys, we are now invited to rest in Christ in his finished work on the cross. 
It's finished. Do you hear that today? This is the Savior saying it's finished. It's paid for. There's nothing else. You, you can't. There's nothing you could pay to satisfy God. Christ has paid it in full. Rest in Him. Stop having to live this religious life that feels like this unending, all these, this weight. Just rest in Christ. And you know what you'll find? Is that in resting in Him, man, there is a freedom to serve and a joy and a pleasure and just laying down your life for others and giving up your freedom that others could find and know the goodness of Christ. There comes this joy in saying, God, this life is not about me because you have done what I never could do for myself. You've set me free. You've won the battle I could never win. You see, this resting transforms our souls, beloved. Transforms us. The truth is, right, until we come to rest in that, it doesn't matter if you're LeBron or Rocky or everybody else, you'll never ever find rest for your souls. There's only one place that you can find rest for your souls, and it is in Christ. It's His finished work on the cross. Hear Him say it. It is finished. I think the question we all need to ask as we close is this. How can I know if I'm really resting in Christ? I think this is a question we need to ask in light of this text today that we've been studying. How can I know if I'm really resting in Christ? And the answer to that is you take time off to rest. You take time off to rest. You see, what's so major about our physical rest, it reveals actually a deeper spiritual rest. It says that I know I'm not God. I can't do all this on my own. I'm just simply this man or this woman. I've got limitations. I'm weak. But God, you are the one who provides the rest. Look what he says there in verse 10. For whoever has entered God's rest, notice what they've also done. They've also rested from his works as God did from his. It says, for those who have come into relationship that have entered into God's rest by faith in the Son of God, it says they now become a people who rest. Why? Because we realize that no certain amount of money will ever prove how valuable I am. My identity is no longer in having to outwork and outlast and be the best this or that. I can take physical rest. My day taking a, a day a week to stop or in fact, maybe just a reminder that we all take a little Sabbath, don't we? Every night we all lay down in bed. Why? Because we are not God. We need rest. And God himself created us to enjoy rest. Guess what? But some of us, man, struggle to sleep. And rest, and I struggle with it at times too, just being really transparent. And so passages like Psalm 127 are those that sometimes when I'm staring at the ceiling at night, all these things are running through my little cranium. I rest in Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain. Unless the Lord builds this church, doesn't matter how hard we try to work. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. I can do all these things trying to protect my bride and protect my kids and do this and that. It's exhausting, but man, if I just rest in God. And so you know what? Every night when I lay down in bed, that's what I'm attempting to do. It's a reminder to my own soul I'm not God. And I'm going to go to sleep, and guess what? You're still going to watch over River and Josiah and Judah and Pavey and Emily, and you're going to walk over all our people in the church. And the truth is, guys, it's not any different when we wake up. We just get deceived and drinking and eating that man i think and it actually depends upon us guys the answer is rest i don't know if you've ever seen the movie chariots of fire chariots of fire is based upon the true story of these british athletes who are going to the olympics and they, they had this responsibility this weight of trying to win gold for their nation 
One of those men men is Harold Abrahams, and he's a runner. And he comes to this moment right here before this race, and listen to what he says. It's in the movie, and again, I don't know how true this is to what he said in real life, but I'm assuming there's got to be some reality to it. He says, when that gun goes off, I have 10 lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. That's restlessness. 10 seconds to prove or justify how valuable I am. Beloved, God created you and I to rest in Him. Let's run for the glory of God. Let's work for the glory of God. But let's also rest for the glory of God. Let's trust in Him. Again, we rest not only spiritually, we rest physically. To the non-believer here today, again, Christianity often feels like more stuff to do. But according to Jesus, the core of the Christian experience is coming to Him and finding rest. I want to urge you, non-believer today, hear the good news of the gospel. There is rest for your soul. Stop trying to fight the fight that's already been won. You'll never, ever make your way to God as you are. The good news is that God in His love came to you. He lived the life that you and I were supposed to live. And He dies on the cross bearing the judgment of God that's deserved for us. But He was buried. And on the third day, at the break of dawn, the Son of God rose again in victorious defeat of death and sin. And the judgment of God had been satisfied. Beloved, I urge you with all that is in me, come and rest in Christ this day. To the believers among us, to the church. Maybe you're wondering, like, well, what does this mean for me and the Sabbath? Well, I think a couple of things in saying. One is, remember, the Sabbath was Saturday. So there's been some change already in how we view things. Passages like Romans 14 and Galatians 4 and Colossians 2 are, are important in understanding, for me, convictionally, of seeing that, guess what, we're no longer under that rule and law of the Sabbath. But there are those, again, who I understand, who are faithful brothers and sisters, who see that, guess what, that that rest was created before even the law there in Genesis chapter 2. And so what's Romans 14 compel us to do? It reminds us, as we discussed a few weeks ago, that when it comes to the rest and those things of how we view certain days, these are open-handed issues. These are issues that shouldn't divide us with other believers as we view of like how they view certain things. It's a reminder, again, that's what Paul, so if you want to really wrestle, look at some of Romans 14, again, Galatians 4, Colossians 2, kind of speak about this rest and how we view certain days. But I think the primary point is that we are people who weekly take time to rest. So I want to ask you, church, are you resting? Are you resting in Him? Again, we can be just like the ancient people. We can think it's foolish to take a day off. But the reminds us, Bible reminds us the responsibility. Yes, we are created to work, but ultimately the responsibility is God's. He feeds the birds of the air. Jesus says, of how much more value are they, you than they? He clothes the grass of the field that's here today and tomorrow. He says, thrown in the oven. How much more of worth are you in the sight of God than that? The Bible compels all of us to find rest in God. For the majority of us, that means that days like Sunday will be our day of rest. We'll come and we'll gather with the body of Christ here and then find some time to get away. Read a book or go for a walk or go for a run or linger longer in conversations. Find things that you enjoy and do them. Rest. Take in God's goodness towards you. I know that we all wrestle with things like, of, well, what's that mean of how I view Sundays and things? I think one of the wisdom that Brother Todd and I would share is this principle that's been guiding 
to our families and I think many others. The exception in the rule. The rule is, is that we're going to gather on Sundays. That's the rule. That's our aim. But there are going to be exceptions to that, right? Times when other things come up that, guess what, it's going to man our being away. Or there may be some of you seasons. And again, I, we've said it before, but we thank God that there's medical folks right now that if we called 911, somebody would answer and somebody would be here. If we had to show up to the hospital, people would be there. We realize that's, those things are necessities. And we're thankful for those. But beloved, the rule should be that we gather with God's people. And if Sunday is a day off for you, then it needs to be a day of rest. If Sunday isn't, then find a day of the week where you just spend time resting. We are not God. God created us to rest. And beloved, that's a good thing. I know it sounds like a bad word, but rest is a good thing. I pray you rest in Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we just humbly bow. And just confess, Lord, that we are busy people. And the only way to find true rest is to rest in you. So, Father, I pray for every soul here that want, first and foremost, God, that they would come to know your son, Jesus, and they would rest in him. Father, I pray for us who are our believers, Lord, that our spiritual rest would give way to our physical rest. That we just enjoy taking time away from work just to refresh ourselves. So Lord, I, I just pray right now for all of the things that we have said yes to, so many demands that come against our lives, that even our day off can often seem even more busier than the other days of regular, normal work. Father, I just pray that you begin through your word and the power of your Holy Spirit today to shape our hearts differently, to contemplate how we view rest, Lord. Lord, this is an area that I know all too well that I struggle with, Lord. I have not modeled it well so often for my own bride and my children, for this church body. So, Lord, I just pray right now for my own soul that you would forgive me. And, God, I just I want to do a better job of resting, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray for my beloved sheep. Oh, God, I know they're so weary, so burdened. They're exhausted. God, I pray today they'll not leave everything. I need to pull myself up one more week, jump back on the horse and go riding off. I pray they'll just come and cry out, Jesus, I need rest. I'm just resting in you. I'm exhausted. I can't keep this up anymore. I'm exhausted. Oh, God, I pray they would come to you. Just as I pray my own soul will come to you. Lord, please, I pray this for the glory of your son, Jesus. Amen.